Hello, my name is Vance Need, and welcome to another episode of the PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week will speak with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of those topics that are being discussed and we'll dive in just a bit deeper. In episodes 100 through 102 of the postscript, Pastor Brandon is speaking with Pastor Alan Shelby of Harvest Baptist Church on the King James Bible and why we hold it as the authoritative version in the English language. This is the exact same topic we were discussing in our last episode of the PS Plus and what we'll be discussing in this episode. So, let's do this thing. As we start today, I think it's going to be helpful to review what we talked about in our previous episode, and that was focused primarily on the doctrine of preservation as it relates to Scripture, we saw that preservation is defined as to keep or guard against corruption. And so what we see as the doctrine of preservation is God keeping His Word from corruption. Now, we took a look at quite a few bits of Scripture in order to support this, and we'll go ahead and review just one of those, Psalm 12, 6, and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Also, if you remember from last time, this is what we called for the sake of our argument, a faith-based view of Scripture. That is, a view that Scripture is and always will be without error, it will be preserved, because of God's supernatural power and superintendence. Now, in contrast to a faith-based view, we also took a look at what we called a critical view, not just of preservation, but of Scripture as a whole. And we saw a statement of faith last time that, that keyed us in that this was the underlying philosophy, the underlying thinking about Scripture. So we're going to take a look at another statement of faith, this time from a very popular and populous seminary. Here's the statement of faith as it relates to Scripture. We believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, by which we understand the whole Bible is inspired in the sense that holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of Scripture. We believe that this divine inspiration extends equally and fully to all parts of the writings, historical, poetical, doctrinal, and prophetical, as appeared in the original manuscripts. We believe that the whole Bible in the originals is therefore without error. What I want to do from here is first discuss some of the practical implications of believing exactly what this particular statement of faith regarding Scripture, what that would do for us if we take that to its logical extent. And the first thing that we have to call out is that inspiration here, the act of God breathing, is limited to the act of pen hitting paper in this view. And so inspiration is limited to the original writings, which we do not have 
any longer. And the question then, for me at least, is, well, what does that mean for the Bible that we hold in our hands? If God inspired his perfect word in the original manuscripts, which are no longer available, well, then what do I have? And is what I have inspired? And is what I have authoritative? My conclusion would have to be, well, I think that my Bible can contain errors. I think that it's it's not perfect. And so for me, this would this would actually be a very disconcerting way of opening up the Bible and trying to discern what is truth and what isn't, what was originally present and what wasn't. And so again, the main question for me would be, how can the Bible be authoritative if it's not inspired, if it's not preserved, and if it could contain errors? Now, proponents of this view would have an answer to alleviate my concern. And I'm going to kind of admit up front that the answer, man, just doesn't make any sense in my head. I'm having a really hard time understanding from this perspective. And just as a side note, kind of what we're doing today as an exercise to better understand an argument that we do not agree with is trying to see things from the other perspective. And really, any time in which we're trying to understand a doctrine that is not aligned with what we would hold to here at the Living Faith Bible Institute, we want to try and do so from an understanding perspective. Not that we're being sympathetic to it, but we want to be able to understand the logic and the argumentation that people with whom we are disagreeing are putting forth. So there are folks that would hold a critical view that don't believe that the Bible that we hold in our hands is inspired and inerrant, and yet they're going to advocate for translations being trustworthy, which doesn't make any sense to me, but a very popular Christian website purports this view, and I want to read a statement to you now from that site. Are translations of the Bible inspired and inerrant? The answer is no, they are not. God nowhere extends the promise of inspiration to translations of his word. While many of the translations available today are superb in quality, they are not inspired by God and are not perfect. Does this mean we cannot trust a translation? Again, the answer is no. Through careful study of scripture, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, we can properly understand interpret, and apply scripture. Due to the faithful efforts of dedicated Christian translators and, of course, the oversight of the Holy Spirit, the translations available today are superb and trustworthy. The fact that we cannot ascribe inerrancy to a translation should motivate us towards even closer study and away from blind devotion towards any particular translation. So, there are a couple things that I want to call out here. First is the is the subtle swipe at those of us that would hold to a particular translation, in this case, the King James Version of the Bible. But there are a couple of key things from the statement that that I hope that you see. The first is the declaration that today's translations are not perfect, meaning the Bibles that we have, be it KJV, NKJV, NLT, ESV, you name it, none of them are perfect. None of them are inspired. None of them are inerrant. They all contain some type of error. But it's the second part that I'm having a really hard time with. Even though these translations aren't perfect, aren't inspired, aren't inerrant, well, the viewpoint here is that they are still superb and trustworthy. 
And guys, if that makes sense in your brain, then you are smarter than me, and I invite you to take over the rest of my podcasting duties for this series. But I just I just can't square that circle. And yet, this is a very common view. In fact, this is the exact same line of argumentation that George Ladd, who's a former professor of New Testament exegesis at Fuller Theological Seminary, makes. The exact same argument. Listen to what he says here. The truth of infallibility does not extend to the preservation of an infallible text, nor an infallible lexicography, nor of infallible answers to all questions about authorship, date, sources, etc., nor to an infallible reconstruction of the historical situation in which revelatory events occurred and the books of the Bible were written. Such questions God in his providence has committed to human scholarship to answer, and often the answers must be imperfect and tentative. So the things that I want you to notice about this statement is they kind of expound upon the last one that we saw. And the thing that is kind of alarming to me is the fact that there is so much subjectivity and lack of finality in the ultimate conclusions that we can come to about Scripture when we take this viewpoint, it's almost as if George Ladd is saying, we can only do the best that we can, and in the end, we can't ever really be sure. Which is why that that last statement really sticks out to me. Often, answers must be imperfect and tentative, as if we're always going to be pining after a better answer than was previously given. Ladd continues in that quote, saying, God inspired the authors of the Bible to produce a divinely superintended record. He has committed the reproduction and the preservation of the text to the vagaries of human history, and the establishment of a trustworthy text is the labor of scientific scholarship. Now, this is a bombshell of a statement. Think about what the implication is. Preservation is a process of man uncovering truth, not of God maintaining truth. And also, the text is trustworthy through the scholarship and study of qualified individuals utilizing man-made processes. This method that George Ladd is referring to, this scholarship and scientific study, actually has an official name and it's called textual criticism. And a quick definition of textual criticism would be the study of manuscripts or printings to determine the original or most authoritative form of a text. Now, the subject of textual criticism is a huge one, which is why we're going to save that particular conversation for our next podcast. As always, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the PS Plus. If you have questions as it relates to the King James Bible or this subject of of manuscript evidence, a very fancy word that you can use to impress your friends, actually the show notes for the Postscript episodes 100 through 102 have some great resources for you. Also, of course, LFBI has a class called manuscript evidence that Pastor Alan Shelby teaches, and it will answer so many questions that I'm sure that you must have. I hope that you found some part of this helpful and informative to you, and I hope to talk to you next time. Take care.